And this is going to be the focus of today's message titled, Press Forward. And we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. There was an old story about a happy little boy who loved baseball. And he goes out to the baseball field, he gets his, his ball cap and his bat and a ball, and goes out there and he's just confident he's going to go out there and just start batting home runs and batting home runs. So he gets out there, stands at home plate, tosses the ball up in the air, takes aim and just swings as hard as he can and misses. And he goes, strike one. So he picked up the ball, looked at it, made sure it was a league ball, you know, legal, there wasn't something wrong with the ball that he missed it. So he decided to try it again. Throws it up, takes a swing, ugh, strike two, hits nothing but air. This time he looks at the bat. He goes, you know what, I am the greatest batter in the world. This, this, there's something wrong with the bat. So he's looking at the bat and he sees there's a hole in the bat that the ball's going through or something. And he's like, I'm the greatest batter in the world. I don't understand this and why I'm missing. So he grabs the ball and he gets this look of confidence on his face. He, he reminds himself, I am the greatest batter in the world. And he throws it up in the air and he cocks back, lifts up his leg like Babe Ruth, just winds up, swings, misses, strike three. He looks at the ball on the ground, and he realized something. He goes, you know what? I am the greatest pitcher in the world. It's a strikeout. <laughs> well, today is the first Sunday of a new year, and as we look back on the um, last 12 months, many of us may be wondering if we are the world's greatest batter, or as life has shown us, maybe we're the world's greatest pitcher instead. But one thing's for sure, there's probably been a few times this last year that we have had our strikeouts. 2017 gives us a chance to be able to start that over and start afresh with God and start afresh with our spiritual lives. I mean, this week, most boys and girls will be going back to school. Some people will be heading off to college. Most of us will be going back to work after having a little bit of time off for the holidays. And we're all getting ready to wind up and start the activities of the new year. So I ask you a question. What do you anticipate for yourself this year? Are you full of enthusiasm, excited about what this new year could bring to you? Or are you filled with a sense of dread? Or are you going to be worried about, you know, is this year going to be just as bad as last year? Or am I going to mess up just as much last year as I, or this year as I did last year? And like that little boy with a bat, may I suggest that your attitude or suggest that your frame of mind or your reaction to the events of this year is largely going to determine whether this year is a year of victory for you or a year of defeat. And that's where we come to our scripture this morning. The Apostle Paul was never one to let his circumstances conquer him. Rather, the Apostle Paul, with the help of God, was determined to win that victor's crown. He was determined to cross that finish line with Jesus with still at a full sprint, relying on Jesus' strength to carry him over. And listen to that attitude, and listen to that dedication and determination shine through the words that he wrote in Philippians 3, verse 12. He said, I press on to take hold for that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for times 
and seasons that you have given us. New Year's Day and New Year's Eve is always a time to reflect upon the last year. We reflect on our wins, we reflect on our losses. Help us to spend this New Year's Day adjusting and changing our attitudes that, that tripped us up last year and change them into attitudes that you can use and build upon so that when we walk into 2017 as we're doing today, we walk as a new creation in you, ready to do your will, ready to do your work, and ready to live our lives more fully for you. Father God, help us to have the same mind as the Apostle Paul here. In your name, amen. So with Paul's words fresh in our minds, here are some suggestions to help us to be all that we can be this next year of our life. That doesn't mean you have to join the army. I don't know if you remember that used to be their slogan, be all you can be. It wasn't me. I got in there. But first, one of the things we have to do is recognize the value of time. And how do we value time? Let me break it down to a couple of different examples. How do we value one year? Well, everybody remember being back in elementary school and middle school and senior high? What happened if you failed a grade? You had to repeat that year again. So ask a student that failed a grade of what a value of a year would be. How do we value one month? You know, one of the things I have to deal with as a, as a paramedic is preterm labor and moms in preterm labor. Well, ask a mom whose baby arrived one month early what the value of a month would be. How do we value one week? Ask a newspaper editor who messed up on their editorial page and said something just way out there and got tons of hate mail. Ask him how he valued that last week and how he might want to go back and do that over. How do we value one hour? Well, ask somebody who lies terminally ill, only given a few more hours to live, and their loved one is stuck at an airport in a foreign place. Ask them what the value of that one hour may be to them. How do you value one second? Well, ask an Olympic medalist or someone who just missed just that close of having an accident that may have taken their life. I've had that happen several times to me on car accidents where... Somebody came too close and I literally felt the brush of the bumper on my turnout gear as they went past because they didn't see it or didn't slow down. Of course, we know that time is a concept that was created by God so that humans can understand its importance. The Bible said that with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. God deals with the entire expanse of eternity, from the time he said, let there be light, to the time that, that he brings everything into completion, we exist in eternity. He deals with all of that. But he still is concerned with every single second of our lives. That is what an awesome and, and personal God he is to each one of us. Time is important to us because we have so little of it. We begin with infancy 
And we go on into adolescence. We sit in English class and think this is never going to end. We were, were, you know, about halfway through our senior year in high school. We said we just want this year to end. We want to get on with our lives. Why is this taking so long? And then we go into adulthood and things just start picking up. We start, you know, having our families. We start having our kids. And all of a sudden our kids, we go from holding them in our arms to they're having their own kids. And we're like, where is this time going? And then we get later into life as empty nesters and we're going, where is this time? This time just seems to be going. And we get into old age and, and everything that follows after that. And that is what makes our time so valuable, is that we have so little of it, if you think about it. When something is so rare, it's usually very valuable. But if we have a lot of it, it loses its value. And the same is true with time. Do you remember being 18 or 19 years old? And having your whole life in front of you, thinking you're going to live forever. Remember some of the dreams and some of the visions you had? I remember a friend of mine, Scott and I, we were sitting in a, in a park one evening, just talking, and we had this grand plan that we were going to go and, and work like some high-paying construction job. We're going to earn just a whole bunch of money. We're going to work seven days a week, 365 days a year. So we got to age 30 or so. We're going to have enough money to live on for the rest of our lives. We're going to go and buy a cabin somewhere out in the woods with a fishing pond. We're going to go fishing. We're going to go hunting. We're going to just live on that land. And that was going to be our lives. That was one of my crazy dreams when I was younger. Obviously, that didn't, that didn't uh, happen. Life kind of smacks you in the face like a trout right out of the river. You ever catch a trout and you try to get it up, get the hook off, and it smacks you, smacking all over the place trying to get off that hook? That's kind of what life does to our dreams sometimes, right? I remember when I came to this church, right before I turned 45, and I was sitting in my office, and I realized that I had 25 years of life left before I turned 70. And I was thinking, 25 years is a long time, but then I was thinking, 25 years prior to that, where I was. And it seemed like it was not that long ago. I just had kids, and my kids are now having kids, and it was just, it was crazy. And I realized how short of a time that I have to really make an impact in, the, in this community and in this church before age would start catching up to me and would limit the amount of, of work I could do in the ministry. And it was a good wake-up call for me because the Bible often reminds us of the brevity of time. And in the Bible, our lives as humans on this earth are compared to a morning mist that blows away. We see morning mist a lot in this area, on the hills and everything. And then as the day progresses, that mist disappears. And that's one of the ways the Bible describes time. It just also says it's a cloud that is moved quickly by the wind, or a flower blown away by the wind, or a grass that is scorched under the new day's sun. And it compares life also to a weaver shuttle. Have you ever seen a loom where that shuttle just flies back and forth as it's, as it's, um, as it's weaving cloth? It describes it also like that. Statisticians tell us that the average lifespan is about 76 years old. You made it, Conrad. Some of you have made it past that, Pastor Roger. And you're still going strong. You know, I said I was worried about getting to 70. Not with Conrad. Conrad's my, I'm worried about 80 now. <laughs> and I'm not worried about 80 anymore because I see Pastor Roger and he's still going strong. So I think I have plenty of time left. That gets away from my message, so forget I said that. But <laughs> statisticians tell us that the average lifespan is now 76 years old. 
If you're under 30, then you think you, that's like a really long time. I mean, that's 46 years. So I, I don't even have to worry about that. But if you're nearing that age, you begin to realize that it's not that long at all. And to put this in more perspective, somebody put um, some statistics together that if you compared everything you do in life to 24-hour days, how long you would spend doing it. We're going to just read a few of those this morning. If you live to be 75, most of us will have spent three solid years, 24 hours a day, acquiring an education. That counts for your elementary school, your middle school, high school, and college. You will have spent three solid years in school. You will have spent seven years eating. Some of us eight, nine, maybe ten <laughs> years. We'll have spent 14 years day and night working. 14 years of our life working. We'll have spent five years riding in automobiles or airplanes or traveling. We'll have spent five years talking with one another. Tammy said it would be more like 4.5 months for me, but, um, but most of us spend at least five years talking with each other. Tammy, that's probably seven and a half years. But. <laughs> we'll have spent one year sick or recovering from sickness. And get this, we'll have spent 24 years of our life sleeping. Doesn't that seem like a waste? Nope. <laughs> There's somebody that loves a nap over there. <laughs> we'll have spent three years reading books, magazines, or newspapers. And listen to this. We'll have spent over 12 years amusing ourselves watching TV or going to the movies or, or, having our, or doing our hobbies like hunting or fishing or sports or whatever. 12 years of our lives. All that totals up to 75 years, and this is what the researchers say, that on average most of us will have done with our lives. And as I looked at these statistics, I began thinking. I said, let's suppose that you spent every Sunday of your life for 75 years through infancy, never missed, in God's house, worshiping at every church service. Now, how much time do you think that comes out to? Well, the answer is five and a half months. But let's double that, because you come to Sunday school, right? And you've never missed a Sunday in your life. So that makes it 11 months. Does that put it in perspective a little bit? Think about five years in an automobile and only 11 months in church and Sunday school. We spend 12 years amusing ourselves in front of a TV and just 11 months in church and Sunday school. And that's if, if you've attended Sunday school and never missed. All this puts us into perspective a little bit about the brevity of our time. And it also tells us about our priorities in life, doesn't it? The Bible teaches us that time is so uncertain. It's a valuable commodity. It is a precious and, and contained in a precious and delicate vessel called the human body. And this vessel may break at any moment and we lose it all. So we have this moment... We don't know about the future, but we have this moment, and that's all we really have. And because of the uncertainty of life, that's why the Bible says now is the time of God's favor. Amen. Now is the day of salvation. Hebrews 3.15 says, Today if you harden your heart, or excuse me, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Because life is so uncertain, we must take advantage of the time that we have. 
The second major thing that the Bible reminds us during the new year is that we should not live in bondage to the past. We ain't got time for that, as T.D. Jakes would say. You are special beings is that God has given you the ability to remember. And your memory may be your friend or it could be your worst enemy in living a life that, that pleases God. For most of us, in particular those who live in America, 2016 was a tough year, wasn't it? I mean, just the election coverage, the negativity, the vitriol that went out into our, into our country just made us just be dragged down. Maybe this, this year was a time of transition in your life. Maybe you, you began to dwell on the negative and were feeling sorry for yourself over something. Maybe you had a job that came to an end and you're making, having a tough time making that kind of a transition. Maybe a loved one died and you're trying to deal with that lingering grief and the loneliness you feel. Or maybe, maybe it's a time that some sort of besetting sin got a hold of your life. And you're trying to get rid of it, and you, you're, you're in this hole, and you feel like there's no way out. And you're carrying away that burden and that guilt of your sin. You see, these things that can, that can cripple you and hold you in bondage to your past. And that's why Paul said, forgetting what is behind. Paul himself had a lot to forget, didn't he? He murdered the church. He persecuted the church. He was the Pharisee's enforcer to destroy the church. He had a tremendous amount of guilt that crippled him. And if he would have allowed it to drag him down, he never would have become the great apostle that he is. And half of the New Testament wouldn't have been written. But Paul said, forgetting what is behind. In other words, God, I commit it to you. Somehow you're going to use all that mess up. And I'm going to seek your forgiveness for all the sins of the past. And I look forward to what lies ahead, which is going to be a clean slate if I come to you and ask forgiveness. And right now, I'm going to live today as best as I can through your Holy Spirit's power. I believe that's good advice for us as well. The final thing the Bible teaches us about the new year is we need to establish some priorities in our life. Most of us, you know, I, I started out the service today and, and asked you know, about New Year's resolutions. And some of us unconsciously or consciously actually write down a list of New Year's resolutions. And if we're honest with ourselves, most of our New Year's resolutions last maybe two weeks into the new year before they're kind of tossed to the side again. Paul looked at it a little different. Paul said, this one thing I do. Now, Paul obviously did more than one thing. He was bivocational. He, he made tents. He preached sermons. He established churches. So he was doing a lot of things. But he said, the top priority in my life is to press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul put the big thing in life first. And the big thing was, his primacy, was the primacy of his relationship with Jesus. A little while back, a subject, or an expert on the subject of time management was speaking to a group of business students. And after speaking to them for a while, he said, okay, it's time for a quiz. He set up a big one-gallon wide-mouth mason jar in front of the class. And he produced a, a bunch of fist-sized rocks or so and started placing them inside this jar until it was filled all the way to the top. 
And he holds up the jar and he said, is this jar full? And his student said, well, yeah, it's full. He said, really? He takes out some gravel, dumps it into the jar, wiggles it, and it fills up to the top with gravel. He goes, now, is this jar full? Well, the students are starting to catch on. They say, well, probably not. He goes, well, that's good. He takes out some sand, pours it in there, wiggles it around, fills it with sand all the way to the top. And, they, and he's asked the students, is this full now? And the students are catching on. You know, they're, they're, they're business students, so they're kind of smart. They're, they're catching on. He said, no. So then he picks up a jug of water and pours it in there until it overfills the brim. He goes, is this full? What is this teaching us right now? And one student thought he was going to impress the teacher. He goes, well, teacher, I think that the point is no matter how full your schedule is, if you try really hard, you can always fit something more in there. And the speaker said, no, 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 you've totally lost what I was trying to tell you this. The truth of this illustration is if you don't put the big rocks in first, you'll never fit them in when the other little stuff comes in. And that is what Paul is trying to teach us here. These big rocks in your life should include each day drawing nearer to God, spending time with Him, reading His Word, seeking its guidance, spending time with Him in prayer. If you don't make it a priority, it will not happen. It will not happen. I can guarantee you if it's not your number one priority, it will not happen. You have to put that big rock in first. You'll never get it in at all. And one of the most important teachings about this in the Bible comes from Jesus himself when he instructed us, seek first. Seek first his kingdom. Amen. Don't seek your Facebook. Don't seek what's on your phone. Don't seek the TV. Don't seek what's on the computer first. Don't, do all, don't read the paper first. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these other things will be given to you as well. Seek Him first at, during the day. When you wake up, you, you do whatever you're going to do. Grab your cup of coffee. Grab your Bible. Don't turn on the computer. Don't turn on the TV. Don't pick up the newspaper. Pick up your Bible. You have three chapters each day to read. I gave them to you right in your bulletin there. We've just gone through another Christmas season in which this world was reminded Again, that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. In His love, God offered us the most wonderful gift that He could ever receive. And that is Jesus. One more illustration and we'll close. An old beggar woman ran out of money. She couldn't pay her rent. She had a harsh landlord. And the landlord had threatened to throw her out if she didn't pay her rent. And she had only a, small, a, a fairly decent-sized candle to keep her warm. And on Christmas Day, she's huddled over this candle, trying to keep warm, and she hears an insistent knocking on the door. She's afraid it's the landlord, so she blows the candle out right away and stays really quiet until the knocking stops and she hears footsteps leaving. Two weeks later, she found, the knock, found out the knock on her door was a friend who had who had been blessed monetarily and had come to bring her enough money to pay her rent and all of her debts. But she missed him. 
because she would not answer that door. And I wonder how many of us from time to time have heard that gentle knock of the Savior who wants to come in and free you from the burdens that you carry. But a lot of times we ignore that knock on the door. And this morning, God's invitation is offered to anyone who would accept him and receive him as Lord of their lives. And God is also inviting his children to come and be washed clean of any burden that you carry. Whether it be sin, whether it be worry, whether it be the cares of this life, God wants you to enter 2017 free of that burden. Jesus himself tells us, Come to me, all you are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Let's all stand. Won't you come to Jesus today and ask Him to take these burdens you've been carrying for the last year? Won't you come and accept the rest that He promises for you? Won't you allow Him to break through all that pride you've been carrying for years that insists that you can live your life your own way apart from Him? I want us to spend some time in prayer as we close. That God would cleanse us. That God would set us free. That God would save us if that's what needs to happen. And that he would prepare us for a year of harvest in 2017. That he will move in our lives in such fantastic ways that he will just blow our minds with his blessings.